Well, let's just go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer here before we get into the Word. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we are just uh, grateful that we have here in print your Word to us, and so we uh, don't have to wonder what it is that you want us to do with our lives, how you want us to live them. Uh, we do thank you for uh, what you've done for us through your son Jesus Christ and what Skip just explained and how we can have a relationship with the living God through Jesus because of what he's done on the cross went there to die as our as our substitute because we should have been the ones there and so Lord we're just so thankful for that and in light of that God we want to uh, offer ourselves afresh to you today um like one of the, the, the songs that we were singing earlier, just we, we want to surrender to you. And that just means kind of come to you open-handed and say, Lord, we, what we have is yours, our life is yours, our everything is yours. And so, uh, Lord, help us to have that attitude as we come to your word that um, we, we just, uh, it, there's no area off limits to you. There's nothing that you cannot speak to in our lives. So, Lord, we just, we want to hear from you. We want to know you better. We want to grow. We want to grow spiritually. We want to not just uh, stay infants, in a sense, spiritually, but we want to grow. And we know that uh, taking in your word is a big part of that. And so, uh, Lord, we also want to take the time as a, as a church a body, as a community, to lift up those in our midst who are sick, who are physically sick, who need the touch of your healing hand. And so, Lord, we, you know who those people are. You know uh, they're suffering. Um, we just pray, God, that you would touch them. We know you're able. And so, Lord, we, you said we have not because we ask not, and so we're asking, Lord. And we also just pray, Lord, for you give strength to weary hands today, maybe people that are really struggling, having a hard time following the narrow way here, following Jesus. And we just pray, God, that you would strengthen their hands, encourage um, challenge whatever is needed. And Lord, we, I just pray that you would fill me. Lord, let me be a vessel today for you to use for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are off to a brand new series today. All right. Uh, and it's called, the series is called Growing in the Grace and Knowledge of Our Savior. And uh, this is going to take us through the book of Second Peter. So if you want to, uh, and you would like to familiarize yourself with that book, it's a very short book, it's only three chapters, and uh, just spend some time reading through it, uh, maybe in your devotions, uh, it doesn't take long. Uh, today we're going to just hit the first four verses and have a few introductory things, but kind of hit on one of the big themes in this book, which really is, and was part of my prayer, is 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 pursuing spiritual growth, is, is really uh, grabbing hold of God and saying, I want to grow. I want to grow closer to my Savior. I want to grow in godliness. And that'll be kind of a key word today, is this growing in godliness. Uh, I want to read a verse to you um, from the first letter of Peter there, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, which really speaks about this topic. It says, First uh, Peter two two says, "Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, 
And the phrase that I wanted to focus in on there was this growing up in, in kind of in regards to or in relationship to our salvation. And just like we physically grow uh, when we're healthy, uh, there is spiritual growth. And it's something we're to pursue. So I want you to get that in your mind. And, and that will become evident over the next few weeks because uh, we'll still be in this first chapter in a few weeks because there's, there's several chunks that really deal with growing in godliness. And that's the same thing as growing spiritually. Okay? But this is something that you must pursue. Okay? And that will become evident through one of the points I'll make today. But just realize this. This is something that God wants us to do. Uh, he doesn't want us just to come to faith, which is a wonderful thing, you know, to come into a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ, to have eternal life now, which is what happens. Isn't that an interesting thing? Is that in John chapter 1, verse 12, where it says, but as many as received him, meaning received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become uh, children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And just that idea that it's a now thing. You know, it's not like eternal life is, 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 there is a future component to it, obviously, eternity. But it starts, our eternal life starts when we put our faith in Christ. And we're supposed to, um, if we're a healthy believer, we're to be pursuing spiritual growth and on a growth path. Now, there's bumps, there's hills, there's valleys, there's trials. All kinds of things in between, for sure. But uh, just know this. The Lord calls every believer to pursue spiritual growth. Okay? That's, that's a mandate from God. So, uh, Hey, would you mind turning on the house lights, please? Thank you. Um, so keep that in mind. Now, uh, so, you know, we, we finished up the series where we had gone through uh, the book of 1 Kings. And uh, I was covering large uh, swaths of Scripture, and so we didn't, like, read that together. Uh, but we have such just four verses today. I'd like to read it together. So if you're able to, would you stand in honor of the Word of God? And we're going to read these first four verses of Second Peter. And we stand uh, basically just as a symbol of honoring the Word of God. Okay? So let's, let's read this aloud together. All right. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. This is God's word. Please have a seat. <clears throat> now, it may be strange for you to see that name Simeon. Okay, it's like the Hebraic form of Simon Peter, and that's all. Some people have doubted that this was written by Peter for a number of different reasons, but I don't think I think there's a good reason to believe it's written by Simon Peter, the one and only guy who walked on water for a short time and who 
uh, was an eyewitness account, right, of the Lord's resurrection, who, uh, who denied him and then was restored in relationship uh, uh, with the Lord and then spoke boldly, right, after post-resurrection and, and post-Jesus' ascension, spoke boldly for the gospel. Uh, it's that Peter we're talking about, okay? And so he's writing this. Uh, to whom we're not 100% sure, it might be the same believers that the letter for First Peter went to, but we really don't know. It, it could be, uh, might be a good assumption, but he doesn't really say specifically. But it's believers, okay? He's writing to believers. Um, he identifies himself as a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, but there's just a few things I want to mention about the first two verses, right? So it's kind of like your your typical introduction, you know, this is me writing you, and and uh, but but there's a few things in here that uh, you can miss them, and I because I found myself just kind of oh yeah 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 let's get to three and four verses three and four let's get to the real stuff you know, but but a couple of things here, all right, and and that is um, that one of the things we pick up from verse one, and this is where it says obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Isn't that an interesting phrasing where he says in verse 1, right, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Um, and I think that what that translates to us, and the ours there is the apostles, I think, what he's saying is there are no second-class Christians. It's not like, you know, the apostles are up here and the other believers are down here. Now, they certainly had a specific mission. Uh, you know, that the Lord had for them at that time when they were living, no doubt. They laid the foundations for the church of God. Uh, so in, in that sense, they were special. But in the sense of their standing before God, he's saying there's, there's no second-class Christians, right? They're, you know, uh, one Christian's not better than another, right? A Christian's a Christian. And, and you hear that phrase a lot of times, you know, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, meaning, you know, we all... Are sinners uh, saved by grace if we put our faith in Christ? And so, so you just need to know this, that uh, this Apostle Peter, the guy, this guy, like I said, he walked on the water. He had these incredible experiences. He even had these experiences where he said he was caught up in the third heaven. You know what that is? I don't know, but he had some kind of a spiritual experience that others just thought were so, was so incredible, you know. And, um, uh, you know, but so he's saying, you know, you believers, you're the same as me. And I think that was meant to be an encouragement to them that their faith is just as good as his faith, right? And so that is encouraging for us to know no second-class Christian, second Christians. Now, the other thing that uh, is interesting is when you look at the other part of verse 1 where it says, um, it says, you know, to those who have been obtained, who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, God and Savior are linked with Jesus Christ. This is one of the few times in the Scriptures, okay, uh, that, you know, it's clearly saying explicitly that Jesus is God. Okay? It's not referring to God the Father and Jesus Christ separately. That comes in another verse later. In the construction of this sentence, in the Greek, the way it is, my understanding is this is one package, okay? God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And so uh, you need to know this. This is uh, one of the foundations of our faith. Um, it's a little hard to, to grasp, grasp, but the idea that um, there's one God uh, in three persons or three essences, and that is, you know, the Father, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each have attributes of divinity, right, uh, but are distinct, okay? Um, the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. The concept does, right? Um, you can see at Jesus' baptism, all three members of the Trinity are in play. You've got the Son being baptized. You've got the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and you've got the voice of the Father, all in the same scene. So you know it's not like God's changing modes. Now he's the Holy Spirit. Now he's the Son. Now he's God the Father. No, he's not changing modes. That's modalism. That's not accurate biblically. That's not a true thing. Okay. So just for your information, you need to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, divine. Okay. And he's also man. He's the God-man. And so it's very hard for us to get our heads around that, but those concepts are clearly expressed to us in the Scripture. Okay? All right, the last thing I want to mention by way of introduction here in these first couple of verses is in verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, now, in that beginning part of verse 2, there is a separation between God and Jesus Christ. In the construction of the sentence in Greek, it has two definite articles, one for God the Father and one for the Son. And so we know it's speaking of the two different parts, uh, persons of the Godhead. Okay? So he's speaking of them separately, but the thing I want to focus in on is this idea that grace and peace come through knowledge. Grace and peace come through knowledge. Well, first of all, uh, we experience the grace of God and peace with God by having the knowledge of God's plan of salvation. Right? You can't, what do they say, you can't know what you don't know? Right? You, you, you're right, you, you have to know the, God's plan of salvation in, or, in order to come into a relationship with God. Right? You have to know that. That's not something that you'll just think of. Okay, in fact, nobody could think this up, right? Uh, that God would become a man and be killed on a cross and then be resurrected, right? Um, in fact, Paul says, you know, people just thought this was, you know, uh, silly, uh, foolish, right? This, this wisdom. Um, and so we need to realize, though, that, so that's how we initially come uh, to grace and peace, to have to experience God's grace and forgiveness and peace with God, because initially, right, um, the Scriptures explains that in Romans chapter 3, that our, as a person, we're actually hostile towards God. Uh, we're born that way. It's hard for us. To, people don't like to think that. They like to think they're basically good. We, we do like to think that. But at our core, we are, at, uh, we are rebellious toward God, okay? And so we need a new nature. That's why we need a Savior. Okay? And so, so this comes through the knowledge of God's plan of salvation. But it doesn't stop there. 
Isn't it interesting? He says, may they be multiplied to you, right? Through, um, he says, uh, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the more we grow in our knowledge of God and of our understanding of who he is and how he relates to us, that's going to increase uh, our experience of his grace. It's also going to increase uh, our peace. Because when I if I understand the ways of God, the more I understand them, the more I'm at peace about even the disruptions and the craziness that's going on in, in, in my life or your life or whatever's going on, is uh, when we have a proper understanding of the ways of God, it helps us not freak out so much, even though we have our freak out moments, right? To just be honest, right? But if we have a proper knowledge of God, it helps us live our lives full of grace and peace, okay? So just realize this. This is not a throwaway line in a greeting in a letter, okay? Uh, we can think that, and it is part of the greeting, but, but he's saying it's multiplied. He, he, he prays this blessing that be multiplied in the knowledge of God, of, uh, of God and of Jesus our Lord. So um, I, I like this, um, uh, an analogy that uh, Kevin the Young uh, mentioned, he's a pastor, and he, he said this, he, he drew this analogy about knowledge, because uh, uh, let's be honest, some of us love the idea of going deep study in the Bible. Some of us we like our Bible, but we're not really that concerned about, you know, the finer points of, you know, whatever it might be, some theological topic, okay? But, but the thing is, is that, uh, and that some people were like, well, we need to guard against kind of being eggheads, you know, that we're, we have all this information and, and, and we're just no, no earthly good. Here's what Kevin Young says. He says, says something like, he says, Our knowledge and learning about God is not meant to be a storehouse or a vat. Okay. Rather, the learning and studying and growing in our understanding of God uh, is meant to be a vessel. It's meant to be a vessel okay, by which we do ministry. So we have to have the proper understanding to, do, to worship, to love, to serve in the way that God intends for us. Okay, so it's not one or the other, it's both. It's, you know, it's not knowledge or service, it's, it's service with a, having an informed mind about God, what God does want us to do, okay? So, so uh, you know, we, we need to make sure, I mean, so many of us want to just go practical, and there's lots of practical things uh, to be doing as, as a believer. Knowledge becomes practical. Okay? So don't have this kind of false dichotomy. Okay? Realize that our knowledge is not meant to be a vat where it's just we're storing information up, but it's meant to be a vessel. Um, this theme, this theme of growing in our knowledge uh, and grace is, is, is a big part of Second Peter. And so I want to Look, I want you to see there's kind of bookends, um, fancy word. I'm not a fancy word person, but it's inclusio. A lot of times you have a beginning and an end with the same thing. It means that that's kind of a theme going on, right? So uh, 2 Peter 3, uh, in verse 18, 
right? Last, last verse in the book. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So he's, he's saying this at the beginning about this uh, importance of knowledge, and then he's saying this at the end. And so, uh, and so we will see this theme carried out, okay? It's important as we, as we get into this book, all right? Second Peter. All right, now, let's move on to uh, these next two verses, verses 3 and 4. And let me just remind you what they say. Uh, verse 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. And let me just uh, stop there at that verse and just say, you know, one of the themes here that we're getting in these few verses that fits in with growing is growing in godliness. Okay? And today, we're going to learn we've got power. Every believer has power to grow in godliness. All right, and that's what this verse says, right? Verse 3, his divine power. Well, okay. Um, now, I learned a lot of things studying this out. I mean, I learn as much as, as, as anyone here, okay? I'm not an expert in Greek or anything. But you got to do your homework, okay? And my homework said was, because when I came to this, when I come to a pronoun, I got to know who is it talking to? Who is it talking about? And then I'm like, oh, no, they, worship, they mentioned the word antecedent. Like, oh, shoot, what's an antecedent? Oh, yeah, it's the thing that a pronoun refers back to, right? So you got it. So there's this rule I've learned in Greek that typically you go back to the, the nearest antecedent to see who it's talking about, okay? Learn something new. So, so in it, that would be Jesus. So Jesus was the nearest antecedent to this uh, pronoun in the Greek. So we know he's talking about Jesus' divine power. Okay? Just, I thought that was interesting. So Jesus' divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So isn't this a cool verse? This is like saying, we've got what it takes because he gave it to us. Not because we're all that, <laughs> but because we got him. Okay, so... He's saying we have everything we need to grow in godliness. He's given it to us. Okay? And, and that's, that's really good because some of us may be discouraged and feel like, you know, I just don't even know if growth's possible in certain areas of my life. I've just been in my wheels and failure here and failure there, whatever. And, and I hope that you realize that this verse is meant there to tell us that, you know, we're not a hopeless cause. Uh, God has given us everything we need uh, to, to, uh, to, by His grace and power, grow in godliness. Okay? So, uh, because there, there are some people um, that kind of have a, one view of this growing in godliness, like... Um, I think particularly it might happen when uh, with young believers. They're thinking, you know, you know, my life with Jesus is just going to be a, a bed of roses, man. It's just going to, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be a pastor like next week. 
or maybe even not having any interest in that, but just, you know, doing this and that, whatever. And, uh, and then kind of have these rose-colored glasses, like it's not going to be a difficult walk, right? And, and, and we kind of gloss over the passages that say, you know, narrow is the way, right? And, and, and things that indicate that there's a difficulty in following Jesus, right? Um, but then the, the flip side of that, there's some people who just, who are like, why even try? You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm saved. I put my faith in Jesus. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I've tried. Or I tried X, Y, and Z. It's not working for me. Um, and, and so there's, maybe there's reasons for the discouragement, whatever, but I'm saying, um, but this verse here tells us that, hey, no, it is a process. Okay, that's one thing you have to realize. And I think it helps the person that's kind of rose-colored glasses. We're on a process. Uh, God has begun, Philippians 1, 6 mentions this, right? He who began a good work in you will complete it until uh, the day of Christ Jesus. So, you know, you're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress and growing in Godless all the way until Jesus comes back. If anybody tells you they have arrived spiritually, run. <laughs> After you reprove them, right? I, I remember hearing some... Uh, on college campus, this one guy claimed, claimed he had sinless perfection. He had arrived, but he never sinned anymore. Right? Oh, that's just fodder for the fire, man. <laughs> you know, you know, if I, you know, I wouldn't say what I'm going to do. But anyway, so uh, and there's a lot of good campus preachers, too. I mean, we know one, Tom Short. Um, but, but I'm just saying that's, that is a, a misunderstanding of some scripture, I believe, is for somebody to say that they, they have reached this pinnacle of you know, uh, sinless perfection, okay? Indwelling sin is real. We battle it every day. Uh, but that's not an excuse to say, oh, well, okay? See, see the thing here is we've got the two extremes. Like, I'm not going to do anything. I've, I've got my, some people say, fire insurance, you know? Um, got eternal life. And the other person uh, is, is saying, you know, it's going to come easy to me. Um, it, it's not. And uh, so think about this, this. So God's given, he's the source. He's the divine power source in a sense for us. Um, he's given us everything we need to grow in godliness, right? It's gifted to us. We don't have to earn that. Okay, it, it's gifted it to us, the person of the Holy Spirit, and some other things we'll see here in a second. But uh, um, <clears throat> so, so just realize that um, there is this combination of there's our part and then there's God's part in our growing in godliness. Okay, um, so again, there's some people. There's extremes on this. Some people like think that they got to just work it all out themselves, and it's all about me. And I, you know, I've got it. You know, and I'll, I'm just gonna have to work harder uh, and with no thought to God's enabling power or seeking the Lord's help on in growth in areas and so on. Um, I call those the treadmill Christians. They just feel like they're treading it out, right? And it's all up to them after they've gotten saved. But then there's the elevator Christian. You think, you know, hey, man, just take me to the top, baby. I ain't got nothing to do, but God's doing it all. I'm just going to sit right here alone for the ride, okay? I ain't have to do anything, right? Uh, so it's not that either, right, in terms of growing in godliness. It's, there's effort and there's this divine power that God gives us to, uh, to give us the effort 
Does that make sense? It's really a strange um, thing to say it's both and. I, people don't think that, but it really is that way. There are many times in Scripture where Paul talks about he's striving according to the power that works within him. Well, which is it? Striving or power working within you? Yes. Yes, that's the answer. Yes, it's both. There's effort and there's God's power. Okay? All right, So, because it's important for us to have a proper view of how, if we're being called to grow in godliness, how it happens. Okay? And, and this uh, scripture is definitely uh, dialing us into that, right? So here, power for godliness, the source we just talked about, verse 3. All right, so if you're, if you're following along in points, this is a really our first point, power for godliness, and we just talked about the source, God, divine power, Jesus Christ, his divine power, right? All right, second point, the means. Uh, he, he's, he gives us a clue on how that's going to happen. Okay, he's given us this power, but you've got to look at the verse. And this is where, um, you know, even if we don't know Greek, which I don't, uh, if we know English and grammar, it helps, okay? Because um, it says here, let me go to, to a verse 3 again. He says, uh, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through, in other words, the, the means, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. So there's this touch point with knowledge again. Right? I've got to have a proper understanding. In other words, as I grow in my knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, that is going to be a means, uh, along with God's divine power, that we're going to grow in godliness. Okay? So the knowledge of God, having a proper understanding of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit, affect how we view our circumstances. Right? Uh, we've already, I've mentioned this already today, but we need to grow in our understanding of the ways of God. And the only way I know to do that is as I live life, I, I, I need to let the Scripture interface with my life, right? And the more I read the Scripture and take it in over time, right, then as, as things are going on in my life, I can have a proper view of how to, of how to see those and how God wants to use those, and how He works. Okay? So this knowledge of God is, again, an important theme. But there's another thing He mentions here in verse 4. Another means, and it relates to knowledge, but it gets more specific. He says in verse 4, By which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. Interesting way to describe right? Precious and very great. <clears throat> that sounds like something we ought to get a hold of, isn't it? <laughs> something that's precious and very great, right? Uh, right now, two-by-fours are very precious, right? Just, just any kind of construction material right now. It's a very, everything's so expensive, and you can't get a hold of anything. We, we wanted to try to replace our oven. I can't find an oven. Uh, well, that I want. Maybe that's probably my problem, all right? But, uh, you know, it's just... You know, so these, these things are more, you got to pay more, right? But he's saying, Peter's saying, the promises of God are precious and very great. And they are for us part of this divine power. These promises, right, as we stand on them and trust them, it will transform our lives. 
they will transform our lives. So, uh, I mean, we don't really know. He doesn't have any specific promises in mind. Uh, you know, I mean, you can think about promises of his coming. Uh, you can think of the promise of the gospel. You can think of, you know, just all kinds of promises. I thought of one, uh, uh, one particular topic that we could probably all use some promises on. That was on worry. Worry is something that we probably, a lot of us, face. Um, and so, uh, some examples of promises. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 might be a familiar one to you, uh, but let me just read it here. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and the ESV says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I got to say, you know, when we are worrying, um, our minds go places that can be dark, they can be discouraging places. And so if we, by God's grace, can get our focus on Him and, and taking the matter to Him and realizing that He cares about us, like, you know, Spend some time in Matthew chapter 6 and realize, you know, if God clothes the lilies of the field and he takes care of the sparrows, right, and not one drops to the ground without him knowing about he cares so much more about you than he does them. That's the whole point of that little passage there. He's making a comparison, a comparison of the lesser to the greater. It's like these, these little things God takes care of, don't you think he's going to take care of you? Right? Um, and, and so, so this uh, promise in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, uh, God promises that he gives peace as we seek him and as we make our request of him. Because if we turn our situation that we're worrying about into prayer and seeking God, first of all, it helps guard our minds and our hearts and helps us put ourselves in a proper perspective that we're talking to the living God who can move heaven and earth. Right? You can do anything. Right? Um, and so, so it helps us realize, you know, reminds us that he's in control. And I'm not saying that it's one prayer and done. Okay? Many times it's so you find yourself going right back there. Minutes later. Okay? But he does promise that we will experience the peace of God, it says, which surpasses all understanding. I tell you what, the next time you're worried, you need to say, God... This is what's going on. I'm I'm worried right now, and you tell me I want to. You tell me to take it to you in prayer, and I'm doing that right now. And you just tell it to him and say, God, I'm I'm. You say that I will experience your peace. I need that right now, and you stand on that promise because it's true. This is an unconditional promise. There's no conditions to it. Now, another promise in, in relationship to um, worry comes from the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. He says this, he says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. A couple of things. Humble yourselves, he says. Now, remember, I'm not just like doing a different sermon here, okay? We're talking about promises, right? 
these great and precious promises are for us part of that knowledge that we need to grow in so that we can appropriate and put our lives on the basis of the promises and live them out, trusting them, okay? All right, so that verse mentions humbling yourselves, right? That helps us see that our anxiety sometimes comes from a sense of, we've got this, I'm self-sufficient, I got it from here, God. And he's like, no, you don't. (laughs) You thought you did, but you don't, right? So humble yourselves on the mighty hand of God. He's saying, realize God is in control, you are not, right? Uh, And then he says, uh, he says, says, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. There's an issue of timing. God's timetable is different than ours. We don't like it that way, but it's always the best. So these are, this is like proper understanding. We've got to have a proper knowledge, right? And then he says, he cares for you, right? How amazing and comforting and peace-giving is to know that God, the God of the universe, cares about me. I mean, not just in a general sense. He specifically cares about what's going on. Every detail of your life. We have a very personal God. And so these promises are given to us okay, as a means of growing in godliness, a means of appropriating the power God has given us. He, you know, Peter calls those promises. What did he say? He said, um, he's granted to us his precious and very great promises. Now, the next part of that verse. And the next part of that verse says, so that. You see that? It says, so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So I just uh, want to mention one thing, and that's this relates to this last point. What we just read, that so that, that gives you the purpose. The purpose of this divine power that's been given to you and is appropriated through a growing knowledge and, 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 and standing on the promises of God is so that, so that you might be, escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. In other words, it's going to help you get victory. It's going to help you not buy in to the world. Um, he's, not, he's, not, he's not saying that, he, by saying this, Peter's not saying that we are to live somewhere in the bush and not have any interaction with people. He's not calling us to that kind of life. He's just saying, as we're living where we're living, right, and to not let our own desires take uh, us to places where we shouldn't be going and things we shouldn't be doing, uh, let the Word of God and the knowledge of God transform your desires. That's growing in godliness, isn't it? God takes our, our ungodly desires He transforms them through the power of knowing who he is, the promises of God, and he changes us, and and we escape from the corruption of the world. That's the purpose. That's, that's, That's the why. That's the so what. That's what it says. So that we would be able to grow in godliness. Okay. Now, got a quote for you. We already looked at that. Here's a quote, and I want to end with this. 
This C.S. Lewis quote says, um, I think that many of us, when Christ has enabled us to overcome one or two sins that were an obvious nuisance, are inclined to feel, though we do not put it into words, that we are now good enough. He has done all we wanted him to do, and we should be obliged if he should now leave us alone. As we say, I never expected to be a saint. I only wanted to be a decent, ordinary chap. And we imagine when he say, that when we say this, that we are being humble. You see what he's getting at? He's kind of like, this, he's kind of like hey, no, I got victory in this like, really obvious area. Um, that's good enough, isn't it? Well, not according to the verses we just read. He's calling us to grow in godliness, isn't he? He's calling us to grow in godliness. So I'm just going to end. We're going to pray together, and we're just going to ask God to ramp up our desire to grow in godliness, okay? Lord, we just thank you so much that uh, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. We, we don't lack one thing that we need to do your will and to grow and mature in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you've given us all the resources. Lord, help us to see the means that you've given us to appropriate that divine power, which is knowledge of you, growing in our understanding, which involves learning and studying, and, and then not just leaving it in a vat, but then living it out and sharing it, and letting, letting it flow out of us. Um, and, and so that, God, as we, as we also learn and properly apply your promises, we will grow in godliness and escape the corruption of the world, which really comes from desires. So, Lord, we, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us as we go through this series. You would just increase our desire, our hunger for righteousness, our desire to be more godly. Not in a way that says, oh, if I do that, you'll love me more. But in a way that says, because it's not healthy to stay where I am. You want me to grow.